0: You're listening to a podcast from Reality Honolulu. For more information or ways to get involved in the life of the church, visit realityhonolulu.com. Thanks for listening. Aloha. And welcome, thank you so much for joining us here this morning once again for Digital House Church here at Reality Honolulu. Hey, before we get into the Word of God, we're going to continue our time of worship as we take our morning tithes and offerings. And if you don't know, this is a way in which we do worship with what God's given us. Uh, We worship Him um, with our time, talent, and our treasure, giving to Him um, to see His kingdom go forth. And that is how... how it works is that we corporately participate in the building in in of God's kingdom, and one way in which we do so, one way in which we worship is through um, our finances. And so, so grateful for your generosity, um, for us to be a church and to be able to serve our community and our city, and make that happen. But let's pray for that as well as our time in the Word of God this morning. Why don't you join me? God, thank you so much. That we can gather, even digitally, in the midst of all that's going on. All the complexities, all the heartache, all the confusion, all the pain. All that's been going on, all that is currently going on. We thank you that our hope is in you and our hope is an anchor to our soul. God, we thank you for what you're doing in our church. We thank you for these finances and these funds and these resources and the ability to do this and all that we've done. And we say, God, this is your money. This is your stuff. This is your church. Have your way. Use it for your glory and your namesake. And even today, as we jump in to your word, would you speak to each of us, young and old, regardless of what life stage we're in, Who's listening to this? I pray that you'd be ever present to us in our homes or our cars or while we're on a walk or a run or wherever we're listening and watching this. Pray that you would get the credit. You would speak to us, Holy Spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Church, thank you so much for joining us here this morning and uh, in the midst of all that's going on in our world and our nation that you're spending the time to be grounded in the word of God. And I pray, as I just did, that the Holy Spirit would speak to you and comfort you and and direct you. And your hope would not be in anything this world has to offer, but it would be in Jesus and Jesus alone. He is the king of kings. He is in control. And we do know the end of the story here. And so my hope and prayer... um, even though we're distant, is to, that God would bring comfort to you, there'd be unity, and um, that we together would be a community following Jesus, seeking renewal in this land. Um, but today, uh, I'm always excited if you didn't know that, but I am also excited uh, that we're jumping back into the book of Acts. I know for many of you, you're like, Acts? When, when were we even in Acts? It was like September. Um, it's been a while. It's been several months, but We have been, we started actually a year ago, this past January, the book of Acts. And normally, if it was a normal year, which it wasn't, we would, um, what we do is expository teaching, In, in expository teaching fashion, we pick and we pray and we ask God to lead us in going through an entire book, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, and usually it takes a long time. And um That's where we're at in the book of Acts. And we took about three or four months off in total last year to navigate, obviously, all that was going on. And it was good and right we did that. But for so much of the year, the book of Acts was the guiding main part of our Sunday mornings. And we are getting back in there. And again, we want to be flexible to the spirits leading to kind of engage with and shepherd you guys through um, what may happen in 2021. We may pause and take some Sundays off, of course, Uh, but no plans for that yet. And the plan is just to rather continue on, Verse by verse, chapter by chapter, through the book of Acts. And today our text, the chapter that we left off in, if you even remember, was Acts chapter 13. So get a Bible out. I'm going to do a little recap first, but the the section of scripture that I would love for you to read with me is Acts 13, 13 through 52. So kind of a lot, but we're going to be uh, going through it together, digging in, seeing what God has and what it means and how it applies and how we can be encouraged. And I pray that the Holy Spirit ministers to you through it. Uh, I'll be teaching out of the NIV translation, so get it ready. Um, but as a way of recap, because unless you have know the book of Acts well, um, you probably forgot a lot about where we were in the context. And it is very important because it's going to be like literally jumping into a book 13 chapters in where you forget the, the first 12 and context really matters. Not only for correct Bible interpretation, but just to understand like what is happening and the significance and the context and the potency of it all. So the book of Acts, right? The book of Acts is the continuation of the acts of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit through his people, right? And we've seen that throughout the book of Acts. You know, Jesus ascends to heaven. He gives this task to go out and be my witnesses to not only Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, but to the ends of the earth. In Acts chapter 1, we saw this commissioning from Jesus. In Acts chapter 2, we saw The power and the strength and the ability to do that was by the Holy Spirit, right? Pentecost, Acts chapter two, the spirit of the living God, the Holy Spirit, third person of the Trinity comes and fills believers for the first time, right? And then the story continues with with Peter, Preaching this spirit filled empowered sermon, and thousands come to know the Lord. The, this little group of about a hundred or twenty people gathered in this upper room, the followers of Jesus after his death and his resurrection and ascension. this fledgling church movement is empowered by the spirit. Peter preaches the sermon, thousands get saved, and it 's the start of something incredible that we now hear. 2,000 years later are a part of. The gospel spreads. We get this blueprint in the first few chapters of Acts of really what the church should consist of, what the values of the church were. And if you remember... Right when COVID happened, March, April, May last year, God had already put us in that section. And we were reminded and truly learned how to be a church, both gathered and scattered, empowered by the spirit, meeting each other's needs. And um, it's an incredible picture. But then, like much of Christianity, persecution comes, the church is scattered and through persecution, through the scattering of the church, the gospel message is accelerated to literally the ends of the earth. And so the book of Acts is seeing first in Jerusalem, this task, the spirit, the word of God go forth. People get saved, right? The church is growing and then there's persecution and then there's a scattering. And what we see Much of it now is Paul's missionary journeys, leaving Israel, leaving that area of the Middle East and going forth into the Mediterranean and and Asia and and Europe there. And the gospel is going forth. And um, so that's just my quick recap for you right there. There's so much I missed. But we pick up the story today on Paul's first missionary journey. And as he's traveling, going forth through the Mediterranean, Cyprus was where he was last time. And now he's traveling to Asia Minor. For a more robust recap, I want to encourage you. We put it in the, I think, description or the comments here. Uh, the Bible Project, which we love, as you know, we talk about it a lot. Um, they give an incredible, more robust recap of the first 12 verses, uh, excuse me, first 12 chapters of the book of Acts. And so check that out if you want to dig in and and uh, maybe do a better job than I did and more robust job of filling you in on where we're picking up. But that said where we pick up today, is on Paul's missionary journey. He's leaving Cyprus. This is Barnabas' homeland. He's traveling to Paul's native land, Asia Minor. As they arrive, they travel to Poseidon Antioch, which is modern-day southern Turkey. And Paul and Barnabas, this is where the story picks up, which we're going to read in a second, don't worry, Um, they enter a synagogue a Jewish place of worship in Poseidon, Antioch, southern Turkey. We read this in Acts chapter 13, verses 13 and 14. It says this, From Pathos, or that's in Cyprus, island off the coast of Israel in the Mediterranean, Paul and his companions sailed to Perga and Pamphylia, where John left them to return to Jerusalem. From Perga, on the coast there, they went on and upward to Poseidon, Antioch. And it says, on the Sabbath, on the Sabbath day, they entered the synagogue and they sat down. That sets the scene. This is a a continuation of the missionary journey. We're getting this description of the story. It's setting the scene. And then what happens, verse 15 and 16 of our text today, Acts 13, 15 and 16, follow along. I want you to, you can do it. After... The reading from the law and the prophets, the leaders of the synagogue, this Jewish place of worship, sent word to them saying, Brothers, if you have a word of exhortation for the people, please speak. So, Paul, knowing Paul, he takes the opportunity. Verse 16 standing up, Paul motioned with his hand and said, Fellow Israelites and you Gentiles, All of you here, Jews and Gentiles alike who worship God, listen to me. And what we see here is the bulk of our text, the remainder of the chapter primarily consists of a sermon that Paul is about to give. And the response from the crowds, from Jews and Gentiles alike that hear it. And the first part of this sermon, it's Paul's sermon introduction, it's his Old Testament preparation um, that he's going to lay out to these Israelites are in verses 17 through 25. So our text reads on um, where he recaps here their Jewish history, their shared history as ethnic and religious Jews. What Paul does in these eight verses is he recaps their shared history for the reason to show the connection and the fulfillment of what they believe and what they've been waiting for and what their lineage has been waiting for is found in the person of Jesus Christ. And so Paul, in in very much a lawyer type ways, he's trying to lay out some foundational common groundwork to connect the dots for them. He's making a case for Jesus being the Messiah. Let's read that together. Uh, Verses 17 through 25. This is Paul speaking. He says, the God of the people of Israel chose our ancestors He made the people prosper during their stay in Egypt with mighty power. He led them out of that country, right? This is the Exodus story. For about 40 years, he endured their conduct in the wilderness, wandering in the wilderness. And he overthrew seven nations in Canaan, right? The promised land, Joshua and, and them entering the promised land giving their land to his people as their inheritance. All this took about 450 years. This is the timeline. He's, he's being historical here. And he says, after this, God gave them judges until the time of Samuel the prophet, walking through Israel's history. Then the people asked for a king and he gave the, um, them Saul, king, uh, son of Cush, of the tribe of Benjamin who ruled 40 years. After removing Saul, he made David their king. God testified concerning him I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. And he now explains about King David. Verse 23: "From this man's descendants, from Kings David's descendants, God has brought to Israel the Savior Jesus as He promised. Before the coming of Jesus, John preached repentance. John the Baptist um, preached repentance and baptism to all the people of Israel." As John was completing his work, he said, "Who do you suppose I am? For I'm not the one you're looking for. It's not me. It's Jesus. I'm the forerunner. I'm pointing you to him. But there is one coming after me whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. So he's reminding Israel of their shared history, the shared story of their nation and of their people, how the God of their people has carried them, and how. The consummation, the fulfillment of all these prophecies, where this was supposed to end is with the person of Jesus. And so next, Paul drives it home with his main focus and his main point. And again, this is the sermon's focus, which is the death and the resurrection of Jesus. This is in verses 26 through 37 as the chapter reads on. And before we read that, what Paul does is he, he tells the story of Jesus as he has told, just told the story of Israel. And in doing so, he concentrates on the two great saving events, his death and his resurrection. And he demonstrates that both were fulfillments of what God had foretold in scripture to Israel. So let's read that together. Verses 26 through 37 says this. So Paul, making it really personal, he says, fellow children of Abraham and you God-fearing Gentiles, right? There's two different people in the crowd, and so he's addressing them both. He says this, it is to us that this message of salvation has been sent, The people of Jerusalem and their rulers did not recognize Jesus, yet in condemning him, they fulfilled the words of the prophets that are read every Sabbath. Though they found no proper ground for a death sentence, they asked Pilate to have him executed. When they had carried out all that was written about him, they took him down from the cross and laid him in a tomb. Verse 30, but God raised him from the dead and many days and for many days he was seen by those who had traveled with him from Galilee to Jerusalem. They are now his witnesses to our people. We tell you the good news. What God promised our ancestors, he's fulfilled for us, their children, by raising up Jesus. As it is written in the second Psalm, you are my son, today I have become your father. God raised him from the dead so that he will never be subject to decay. As God has also said, I will give you the holy and sure blessings promised to David. So it is also stated elsewhere. He goes on quoting these Old Testament quotations that they know well. You will not let your holy one see decay. Now, when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. He was buried, and his ancestors and his bodies decayed. But the one whom God raised from the dead did not see decay. He's making the distinction there. Jesus is in the line of David, this is the promised Messiah, but David died and didn't raise from the dead. But Jesus is different. different. He, he died and God rose him from the dead, defeating sin, death, and the devil, proving that he was the promised Messiah. And what Paul is doing here is he's explaining by, by him preaching in this way, he, he's explaining, he's saying, I'm telling you the good news that in the resurrection, as in the, cro- as in the cross, God has fulfilled what he promised to our fathers. He's making a plea to his own countrymen here, his own Israelites, his own Jewish people. Said, I believe as you do in my ancestry, in my lineage, in our shared common faith in Yahweh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I believe as you do, but the story does not end there. There is a connecting dot that fulfills all that we've been waiting for, and it's in the person of Jesus. And one way in which he substantiates this huge claim here is with these Old Testament quotations, these Old Testament scriptures that we just read that come from Psalm 2-7, Isaiah 55-3, and Psalm 16-10. You see, all three of those Old Testament texts have been regarded by Jews as messianic in nature, that they tell of the Messiah, the Son of God who would come, who would save them. And again, all three of these texts related to King David, from whom the God that God would bring Israel, their savior, through his line. And so what this does is, 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 you know, Paul, he's brought history and his scripture together. And he's shown that what God foretold in scripture has been fulfilled in Jesus's death and resurrection. And so what happens next is that Paul comes to his appeal to them. He's made this case. He's laid out the evidence. He's told their story and the story of Jesus and how it connects. And then next, it's the sermon's conclusion. It's the choice that they now have between life and death, between belief or rejection. And we see that in verse 38 through 41. Let's read that together. Paul goes on. This is really important, verse 38. So, take notes, make a mark, pause the video. Verse 38. Therefore, right? When you hear that in scripture, it's going to say what all of that previously was there for. What Paul just said in like 30 verses, here's the reason why he did that. Therefore, my friends, he says. You can tell of his compassion his care for them. Therefore, my friends, the point of all this, what I want you to know is that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through him, Through Jesus, everyone who believes is set free from every sin, a justification you were not able to obtain under the law of Moses. Take care that what the prophets have said does not happen to you. And And he tells them. Verse 41, look, you scoffers, wonder and perish, for I am going to do something in your days that you would never believe even if someone told you. And to me, all that Paul has been trying to do when I read this, like the motivation for this sermon and even this missionary journey itself, even his whole life is dedicated to verse 38. It's that Everyone would know that Jesus is the only way to God and the only way that your sins can be forgiven. This is Paul's entire motivation. But it is a decision that Paul is putting forward. He's saying you can believe or you have the choice not to. And he does give them a warning to not be like those before him before them uh, that have not believed. And after all of this, there are obviously differing uh, reactions. There's strong opinions and responses to all that Paul just said because as you could probably guess, if you could put yourself in their seats, in their shoes, in their sl- and their slippers and their sandals at that time. When they heard this, this was like shaking or confronting to all they believed. It, it, but it also was illuminating. But it also was controversial. It was all the things. And the last part of our text today explains the differing in responses to those hearing this. Both Jews and Gentiles, and Gentiles being non-Jewish, uh, hearing this. And that's kind of our last spot today is, is the sermon's consequences, and it's a mixed reaction. But, you know, the immediate reaction, you know, I'm gonna break down the text a little bit for us. The immediate reaction, verse 42 and 43 of Acts 13, was extraordinarily favorable. Right? It says there in verse 42 as Paul and Barnabas were leaving the synagogue, the people invited them to speak further about these things on the next Sabbath. They were interested, they wanted to know more. Verse 43 When the congregation was dismissed, many of the Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who talked with them and urged them to continue in the grace of God. What we see there is the concern, um, the interest of the people had been ignited. One translation says that they begged Paul and Barnabas to hear more. Right? It says that many surrounded the missionaries. They were anxious even before the next Sabbath, before the next week, to obtain further. Like information, instruction, like tell us more. Are you kidding me? You can't just leave us hanging. Like we want to know more about this Jesus and how it fulfills the line of our people. And, it, and what we see there is at least some of them had actually believed and received God's grace. And for Paul and Barnabas Um, It urged them to continue in the grace of God. And so when the next Sabbath came, it says in verse 44 there, on the next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of God. Like word had spread, there was a rumbling, a wrestling, um, word was getting out, and people were curious, people were interested. Uh, It was creating a stir both good and bad, because not everyone was loving what Paul was preaching. Um, In this day and age, it was like Paul was getting a bunch of hate emails, or like controversial emails, or I can't believe you said that, or what are you saying, or um, it's obviously different now than then if you preach a controversial sermon, but this is what Paul has done. He's, He's preached a very controversial sermon, and some have received and believed and heard, and some have completely not. It says there that many of the Jews were in opposition themselves. And um, it's a big crowd. A lot were believing. It was creating some stir. Verse 45 says, But when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy. They began to contradict what Paul was saying, and they heaped abuse on him. Then Paul and Barnabas answered them boldly and said, We had to speak the word of God to you first. Since you reject it though, and don't consider yourselves worthy of eternal life, we now turn to the Gentiles. Verse 47, For this is what the Lord has commanded us. I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. See, Paul and Barnabas were clear here. Some translations say that it it communicated that it was necessary for them that they carried the word of God first to the Jewish people, first to Israel, that that was God's will. And this is echoing actually what Peter also said back in Acts 3 at that sermon after Pentecost, the first sermon after the Holy Spirit fell, Peter did something similar in Jerusalem. And in Acts three twenty six, he said the very same thing to the Jewish people. He said, when God raised up his servant, Jesus, he sent him first to you, people of Israel. Paul wants to make it clear to those that are rejecting, those that are not happy with Paul's message, that the Jewish people, these Jews in the city of Antioch, they are not happy, they are not excited, they are are, are opposed to what Paul is saying. Paul is reminding them, and he would later write, the gospel is to be first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. And the same priority continued as we'll see in Paul's missionary expeditions described in Acts. Even after he began to evangelize like the non-Jewish world, like to the ends of the earth. It was, but it was because of this Jewish opposition to the gospel that led them now to the Gentiles. It was, in a large way, Israel's rejection. Even though that God, first and foremost, wants the gospel to go to Israel, and he wanted Israel to be a blessing, to share, to to the gospel would come out of Israel, out of the Jewish people to the rest of the world. But we see here that because of Jewish opposition to the gospel, Paul has now, and rightfully so, directed his attention to the Gentiles. And then in verse 48, it says, when the Gentiles heard this, again, the reaction being very different to many of the Jews. When the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and honored the word of the Lord. And all who were appointed for eternal life believed. What we need to remember from this, we need to know, is that the gospel is for all, Jews and Gentiles alike, right? Every man, woman, and child, every tongue, tribe, and nation, Jesus did not come just to save Israel, but to save all the world. But he did intend, God did intend that the gospel first here would go to Israel and then to the rest of the world. we, We see that playing out. And if we're even just take a step back on a, a macro level, the macro effect of this sermon here in this city, verse 49, it says, the word of the Lord spread throughout the whole region. Right, modern day Turkey, Asia Minor, It's just kind of Paul's native land. It's now spreading, not only in this one city, not only in Israel, not only in Cyprus, right? The, The missionary journey is carrying the good news and the good news is spreading all over that region. But even in the midst of this amazing work of God, where many do believe, many are saved, many are forgiven of their sins and abundant life and eternal life has come to them, even in the midst of this amazing work of God, opposition was still there. But again, nothing could stop the spread of the Lord's word and the whole region heard it. Yet at the same time, persecution increased. And we see that in verse 50 and 51, the effect of this. But the Jewish leaders incited the God-fearing women of high standing and the leading men of the city Like they called in some big guns and they stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from their region. Like kicked them out. Like you're not welcome here. So they shook the dust off their feet as a warning to them and went to Iconium. But despite all this, this persecution, harsh treatment in response to the gospel, despite all this, what is the attitude of Paul and the others with him. Verse 52. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. I mean, look at that. Like, that's the ending. That's the bow on this story. That's the ending thought here from the author. The word of God went forth. It's expanding, and there's incredible persecution and opposition And for some commentators, they say this might've been violent, that this might've been harsh violence against them. This wasn't just like, get out of here nicely. This was harsh persecution. Despite all that, despite them knowing God filled with the Holy Spirit, that they were actually joyful in the midst of that. I love that. And the simple, but I believe powerful takeaway from today is this. This, what we read, is our story as well. I've told you this before, but it was a long time ago. It was last year, which feels like 10 years ago. But we now, what I told you is that we now, the whole purpose of the book of Acts is that we are carrying forth this story, that our task was their, their task is our task now. We are living in the 29th chapter of the book of Acts. Acts only has 28 chapters written, but we are carrying on the same mission, the same task. And God wants to use us to carry the good news of who Jesus is, to show and tell every tongue, tribe, and nation the good news of who Jesus is in the same way that we see Paul doing it here. Maybe not exactly in the same way, in the same context, in the same speech, of course. But what I mean is, is that this is not just an historical narrative that we're supposed to look at and say that happened then and that's theirs. No, this is ours. We continue on with this mission and this task. And what I do believe is that, and we are seen in the midst of all that's happening, is we're seeing God move. But we also, at, in the midst of all that, are going to encounter opposition. But the pow- by the power of the Holy Spirit, I believe that God still wants to meet us and strengthen us and give us joy even in the midst of it. Even in the midst of 2020 and 2021 now, in the midst of all that's going on, I believe that God still wants us to be his ambassadors, his representatives, that we would love those around us with the love of God, that we would show and tell of the good news of Jesus Christ. And regardless of the response or what's happening or as the world crumbles, whatever it is, that God I pray that God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, would fill us with joy in the midst of heartbreak, joy in the midst of pain. Because once again, our citizenship is not of this earth, it is of heaven, that we serve and live for a God who is in control, that died upon a cross, but rose again, and that offers salvation to all. Church, my exhortation is that we would take up that mantle. That we would take that baton. We would take that torch. And we would do this. We would be a part of God's kingdom coming and his story unfolding. And I want, to, I want us to be challenged to live into this to stop living for ourselves and our own wants and rather to join in with this task, with this mission, with this honor to tell and show others of the life-saving gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen, let's worship. God, thank you so much for this time as we gather digitally. Thank you for your word of God which puts our focus focus and our attention on the right thing, and that is you. I pray, God, that we would take this to heart, that you would challenge us, that you would embolden us, that you would fill us with your truth and your love, and you would even point out now who is it in our life that you want us to take and carry the good news to. Our world needs good news. It needs good news of the gospel. Of, the, of Jesus Christ and what you did and who you are and what you offer to all of us freely. Help us to be your mouthpieces and communicate this to the world around us. We pray in this time of worship now, you would be exalted for who you are and what you've done. We love you, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Love you, church. Cling to Jesus. Stay near to him. Fix your eyes upon him. Please press into worship right now. Turn off your phones unless you're watching it with this and press in and worship the Lord now. Love you. See you soon.